You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Let's turn to the book of Mark uh, again, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. I'm going to read it to us today. We'll pray, kind of explain a bit where we're going. But Mark chapter 10, verse 17. I don't have any pictures up of the kids. Lincoln and uh, Malachi drew some. They're on the board back there. You can see those from last week. But Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 31, I'll read for us. We're going to hear God's Word. Let's hear what He says in the Scriptures. And as He was setting out on His journey, a man ran up and knelt before Him and asked Him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call Me good for Uh, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you for your word, for it is the sword. That penetrates our hearts where we need to hear it. Sometimes, Lord, the double edge, that one edge needs to cut us. And so, Lord, I pray for us here that need to be cut a bit today to the heart, to our treasure, that You would do that, including my own heart. Lord, where there are things in my life, in our life, 
lives of the people here. We just pray your, your sword, your word would do the work. And Lord, where there needs to be comfort, where there needs to be a running, a stillness that we just sang in you, a rest, a greater rest in you, uh, may you also penetrate your word to that heart. We just pray, Lord, that your spirit would move among us for your glory alone. In your son's name, amen. Well, we were a um, great weekend with our retreat and the marriage retreat, and I kept thinking during the week, I started on our the preparation for today and to preach out of Mark and thought, I'm, you know, your goal, some of you may struggle with it, your goal at the start of the week says, I'll, maybe I'll get done by Wednesday, Thursday, that sort of thing. It just kind of, I was working on it, it's cooking in there, and, and then other things kind of come up and, and we're busy and um, thought, well, okay, I've got Saturday night left. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll kind of wrap that, translate. Maybe we can, it's tight, but okay. And, and uh, Saturday night, we're at St. Mary's. So uh, hanging out there. And uh, we're here this morning. So this may be short. I said, maybe it's going to be shorter, but hopefully not longer uh, with what we have. So, but what I'm doing is I'm coming to the oven with this sermon. I'm opening the door and the cookies are not they're they're soft, not a good. They're not all cooked. The bread's not all the way cooked through, and so I'm not going to attempt a great uh, exegetical working through our passage. But what I am going to do is pull out one thing that God, by His grace, um, I think worked even through this passage as I was studying earlier in the week. Just pull that out by way of kind of pre-taking the cookies out and smelling some of what's here, and perhaps we'll. We'll eat more next week through this. Um, and so we're going to look at this passage. We're going to go to another passage. Uh, maybe weave in the retreat here. Um, but I just praise God. Um, I think you can, you can apply this in your own life. And that's just for pastors and sermons and the like, that sort of thing. God has been orchestrating these things this morning, I think, all through the week. And what I thought I needed time at a desk to study, I think he's been working through situations, hospitals, places like that. Just a bit on this passage that we looked in here that we have just read. And again, next week, hopefully look at more. What, what do we know about this man that came up to Jesus? We don't know a lot about him, uh, perhaps having studied more. This is, I think, other places. Yeah, I guess it's titled The Rich Young Man. Um, doesn't say talk about his youth here, but he ran up. He's kneeling before Jesus um, what we do know by the end of the passage, we know this guy has a lot of money. He's got a lot of wealth. Um, I don't know how, and uh, but he's got a lot of something, maybe property, maybe it's money. And you see what he wants in verse 17. At the end of verse 17, we see what he's after. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes through and tells him, uh, you know, the commandments. And it's like this guy just, you know, maybe he's just smiling, clicking him off. I got that one. I did it. I did it. I've done all these things. And he gets to the, you know, he says, yeah, Jesus, all these I've kept from from when I was young. And then there's this verse 21. And I I just want to kind of go through 21 and 22 here. Jesus looks at him. And he and he loves this guy. 
And, and there's a look at his face here. He's looking at him. He's loving him. And he says, you, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And, and come, still looking, come, follow me. I think Jesus is laying out here the plan of salvation that is just selling poor and that will. He's, Jesus is getting to the heart of this guy right here. But here's what happened. Here, this guy, we read verse 22, he's disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And here's what struck me as I'm just in the, the uncooked cookies yet. Here's this guy standing here before Jesus. Um, and Jesus shows love to him. It, it's as if this was... You couldn't have a better evangelistic uh, outreach than having the Son of God standing right in front of you, right? Some of us maybe think, I wish I could just speak the Gospel in the right way or say it in the, this right tone. Or maybe if so-and-so, if they just knew this, they would come to Jesus. Or, just knowledge alone. But you see Jesus here uh, going to loving this man right in front of him. And verse 22 says this guy, just disheartened by the saying, he goes away because he had a bunch of wealth. I just think how... Um, I don't know the right word for it. It's, just, it's astonishing. Here he's standing, this, this rich man, he is standing before the greatest treasure ever. It's it's right in front of him, and he is more blind spiritually than the blind men or the people. He's more paralyzed than the people we've seen because he does not see this treasure right in front of him saying, go sell it, come follow me. It's like, here's eternal life. It's right in front of you. Just come. And there's such a pull of his possessions that he just goes and says, I'll you know, he's disheartened. He, he feels like he didn't get it. He's sorrowful and heads away. The greatest treasure is before him, yet his wealth was greater. Can that be true in our lives? And maybe it's not just wealth, but is there something that pulls us away? Some, and and you might hear echoes of Matthew here, of this where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think there's some treasure ideas going here. These desires, these treasures of this man and and us as well in status. Maybe I just treasure who I am or I treasure my identity or my ego. Um, I, I think it's Paul Tripp maybe that talks about what gets us most angry. What really riles us up when we find we're most angry is really a great thermometer or a measure of what my where my treasure's at if if somebody's just rubbing you the wrong way or something happens and and you see that's where your anger is and you're most uptight that's probably a good indicator that that's where your treasure is at that's what you are desiring most that's what you have as an idol in the heart i want you to turn to first corinthians chapter 10 as we think about treasures and idols and again, just to the glory of God, as if you've been reading through the Bible, you have read this chapter this week. We've on that two year Bible reading plan. You came to first Corinthians 10. I forget which day it was. 
We're also reading in Job, and we've got more copies in the back. If you want to just start where we're at, just pick up the date and, and don't worry about the rest. Just pick it up and, and be reading in your word every day. But, but 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to read to you verses 1 through 14 because I, there's some similar ideas going on here. And God used this to work on my heart. Um, so hear this. Paul says here in chapter 10, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 10, 1. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. This is kind of this past Israel here coming out of Egypt. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place, verse 6, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. You know, I'm thinking here, maybe that's, that's the desire. There's evil desire in that. 23,000 fell in a single day. Verse 9. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. It's, that's good for us that maybe we say, idols? I have no idols in the heart. I'm standing fine today. Take heed. Verse 13, though no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee from those idols of the heart, those things that are bringing us bitterness and anger and frustration that perhaps come out and we go, that's my idol. There's, there's the admonition here to flee from that. Um, as we approached this marriage retreat this weekend that started Friday night and Saturday, um, as you're getting to know me and we get to know you over our two years here, I uh, pick up on some of my less uh, good qualities. And, and sometimes it's good to be a perfectionist and sometimes really not good and you want everything to go just... You want it to be just just right, just straight, just perfect. Look this way, sound this way, everything this way. And when that doesn't happen, it kind of gets bitter or anger or that frustration wells up. Now I'm remembering. I didn't remember what day I read this. It was Friday. Because Friday morning, I needed this chapter. And God used that in my heart to say, Michael, you have idolatry going on. You're worshiping things you ought not worship. You're angry with things that 
who cares about some of this external physical things that all need to take place and need to happen? It's me. Point to me. I'm the one that will help marriages. Not if everything's set out just right. All that stuff. God's the one that's going to do the work. It's very helpful to me to see through here and to confess and to say, I've got idols, Lord. And they creep up and they will probably creep up and they're creeping up while I'm speaking. And we say, Lord, what do I do? He says he's faithful. Because he's given us a new heart, he's given us a new power and a new ability. And he says at the end of that chapter in verse 31, so in a 10 verse 31, so whether you eat or drink, keep going, keep planning, plan out a marriage retreat, do this sort of thing. But whatever you do, you know, please yourself or seek yourself. Doesn't say that, does it? Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Uh, I'm stealing quotes here. We're glory catchers, aren't we? glory stealers, aren't we? We want to steal glory. One of the um, to tie it into our retreat, one of the videos that we watched this week, and perhaps those that are here will remember. I think it was just a fitting way to end one of the videos. A gentleman was talking about kind of their rough marriage that he had had. He was super busy in ministry and busy with a lot of things, and he was. Uh, talking in the end about his repentance and uh, his need to repent, not just to his wife first, but his need to repent before the Lord. And you remember that? He said, if this is not right, this won't, this won't be right. What he meant is, if horizontal things are wrong, I think that ties in as we see, are there struggles? Are there relational struggles? Are there... Passions at war. What causes passions? You know, the things you desire, these sorts of desires, this this treasure, what I treasure. These things are wrong. There's a problem here vertically with the Lord. And to get this right in order that this might be right. And I'm thankful that God, and may He continue to, to deal with me in this area of idolatry and you as you hear this and read this and say, Lord, what area is it that I treasure more? And really, as this rich man stands before Jesus and seemingly can't see him right there, he can't see this treasure, we say, God, this is impossible. I I hear your word. I hear you say, um, Flee from idolatry, flee this and do this. And yet on my own, in my own strength, I am unable. I cannot walk out of here and go, all right, here, I'm going to go do it. And say, no, I think our place to go is needs, right? That's the strong but weak place for us to go and say, Lord, I need you to help me flee from this. Change my heart. Because it's impossible because I keep running back to the same idols. I, so, you know, it's not to say I won't keep going back to my perfectionist part and, and that, Lord, help me to flee from those things for your glory. Do what is impossible to, in me by your spirit. That's the gospel that God works through his spirit as we humble ourselves, as we repent and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've got idols. I've got treasures. 
my wealth. You fill in the blank. It's your treasure. Lord, I want to seek You above all. Show me. Open my eyes. Help me do what's impossible for me to do by Your power at work within me. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are, as someone has said, idle factories, making them uh, daily, if not hourly. Lord, by Your Spirit, and only by Your Spirit, we trust that You would demolish factories today. We'd begin to take wrecking balls of Your Word and Your grace into our lives. And, And Lord, thank You Thank You that You send wrecking balls that are wrecking walls in our life and we we see them as just suffering or some sort of needless pain and yet You're using that by Your grace to wreck down the walls we've got that we can't get rid of on our own. So Lord, we thank You and we pray we would welcome Your wrecking ball grace into our lives that we would worship You alone and bring You glory alone. Lord, where we have failed, where we have not sought You and worshipped You, I pray for repentant hearts. If that's you, just take a minute. Just just confess that to the Lord. Let's just deal with it with Him right now. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Lord, we come and cling to the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our idol worship. Lord, encourage us in this race. Strengthen us in this race. That we would do all things, whether eating, drinking, or all we do for Your glory alone. In the great name of Jesus, Amen.